Well, fourth game of the West Coast trip, fourth consecutive loss for the 76ers. Welcome to the PHLY Sixers podcast alongside Kyle Newbeck, Derek Bodner. I'm Devon Givens. Bree with us producing all of you in the chat. And the Sixers fall to the Golden State Warriors, but it was more about the return of Joel Embiid after missing the last few games and questioning whether he would play even any of the remainder games along this trip, maybe back at home against Brooklyn on Saturday night. But surprise, surprise, he plays tonight. It was not a good outing overall. So let's just get the guys in now, get ready to start this conversation, get to all of you in the chat. We appreciate you hanging out with us for another late night. Derek, what's going on, man? Oh, not much. Not much. <laughs> I don't even know how to like start this. Like, what are we doing? Uh, how you doing, Devon? I'm happy to how see you. How you doing? Yeah, you too. You too. All right. Now let's Derek, I need you to start it and you, Devon, to start it because I need to steal for a minute or two. Well, or I well absolutely I, yeah, lose my mind I'll start. Here. I'll start because you guys did a lot of it, of course, and taking all the heat on Saturday with the Golden State, with the uh, Denver Nuggets and the national media and the Nuggets media and all that stuff. But this one was ridiculous. Once I saw that he was looking at you guys on social media, seeing the reports coming out there, of course, him being in the starting lineup on Sixers Twitter. And I'm sitting here shaking my head after our conversation last night, just wondering why is he playing tonight, knowing that this is the second night of a back-to-back for the team. But for him, he's not right. And clearly, as we discussed it, all of last night and a majority of the show just being about him, despite him not suiting up and playing in the game, there was no reason for him to play in this one tonight. What was the reason to have him suit up and play against the Golden State Warriors? It doesn't matter that it's on national television because the game on Saturday was on national television. It didn't have to be in this one where he could have rested, got himself together. It's already been a surprise for me that he's even on this trip after being injured the way that he is to cause him to play that he is playing, cause him to miss these games uh, when he's not in the lineup. So it just didn't make much sense for me. And after seeing him labor up and down the floor and not doing anything like himself offensively or defensively as the game continued to progress and go on, it was very, very clear that he did not belong out there. And when he was out there, and they were fine, trying to find him, not afraid, Golden State, of attacking him in the paint, pulling him away from the basket, going at him away from the rim, and doing all that. You can clearly see that his mobility, his lateral movement, none of that stuff was right tonight. You could see the clear wrap on his knee. Nothing for Joel Embiid was right for, for tonight for him to be out there on the floor. And then when he was off the floor and the way that they were playing, and we've seen him play a little more freely when he's not out there because of how they run the offense, it just did not make sense for him to be out there, both for his health reasons, number one, and number two, for the style of play that they were trying to play, running up and down the floor. It was very clear that Golden State and Steve Kerr wanted to get up and down the floor, make it a bit of a track meet to get him to run for the amount of time. They were using Joel the Blitz on the perimeter. On That's Curry. it. That's it. And it made no sense, absolutely nothing for him to be out there for what they were doing. Made no sense. And here we are right now talking about maybe him now being forced to be out of the game because he was injured a little bit further with the hyperextension. Jonathan Kaminga wrestling with him on the floor for the loose ball falls directly on his knee. And who knows what that might be after that. So I want to address one thing because there's some like a lot of people in the chat and I know a lot of people online saying the league forced the Sixers to play Embiid. Look, I think the NBA is making a huge mistake in terms of 
how they are trying to present it as like load management is junk science. They are the most biased actor in all of this. Like, of course, they want their, they have a financial interest in their stars playing. So they're coming up with reports that say there's no direct conclusion. Nonsense. That being said, I don't want to give the Sixers a, um, an out here because quite frankly, they just don't deserve it. It was a Sixers decision to play Embiid in this game. We can go whether or not it is because Embiid wants the end of season awards or the Sixers want to play in the playoffs. Or maybe there's even an explanation where like there's really nothing they can do right now to make it better and rest isn't necessarily going to fix it. We can give them whatever you want, but this was, I don't want to give get let the Sixers go off the hook. This is their decision to blame it on silver or the NBA. I think you're just, I think you need to be angry at the Sixers for this as well. All right. So been sitting here thinking, and I want to, I want to make sure that I say this first, the, the number one voice when it comes to whether Joel Embiid plays or not, is Joel Embiid. And he knows his body better than anyone. If there was a person who ultimately put the rubber stamp on this, it was probably Joel. And therein lies a lot of the problem. If there is not somebody this many years into Joel Embiid's career who can go to him, look at him during warmups and say, sit the fuck down, then this is a worthless loser organization. If you as the coach, the general manager, the head of medical, all the important people in this organization cannot present a unified front and say to Joel, this is too risky. You are not healthy. You cannot play. Whatever Joel's reasons are for playing, whether he thinks he has to suit up for the games played, all NBA MVP stuff. If he has a responsibility that he feels to his teammates as a leader, like I got to be out there. Tyrese is hurt. All these guys are hurt. Guys are sick. I know that I'm the leader of the team. I got to be out there. Somebody needs to look at that fucking guy walking around like that and say, you are not healthy enough to play. I could tell you he wasn't healthy enough to play within three minutes of that game starting. He couldn't get post position when he was trying to post. He's basically hopping up and down on two feet because he couldn't plant his goddamn knee the whole night. He couldn't attack guys off the dribble because he didn't trust his ability to explode off his knee. And all this is stuff that happens through the first three quarters of the game, right? We watch him go to contest a shot in the first half. And his legs just buckle from underneath him. That should have been red flag number one. Like, even if you saw pregame, like, okay, we think he's good to go. That should have been a, a giant alarm for everybody on that bench. And somebody should have gotten in Joel's ear and been like, look, man, that it's not worth it. It's one regular season game. And somebody's got to be able to go to him. Maybe it's a teammate. I don't know who the message has to come from at some point. But to put him back in that game, after everything we had seen through three quarters, I, certainly I'm not sitting here saying you have to be omnipotent and predict that Jonathan Kuminga is going to fall on Joel Embiid's knee. But his worst in-game injuries have always come when he has a knock, has some sort of lower body issue, he's favoring a leg or an ankle, a knee, whatever it is, and then he suffers an even fucking worse injury because they won't protect him from himself. That is your job. That is your responsibility as the people running this organization. So there is a whole lot of people who should hang their heads in shame that that guy just went out there, clearly could not give it his all, and nobody has the fucking stones to go up to Joel and say, park your ass on the bench because I'm not allowing you to hurt yourself even further. It's embarrassing. 
No, it really was, man. And after seeing it, as you said, so many of them have still been around this guy for so many years. And if they don't have at this point, the, the ability to have the honest conversation with them. And we've heard so many people say Daryl Morey and others about how they can have these honest conversations with him and still not convince him that it's the right thing to do, which is to sit down and not play in this game. Then there is a problem because if they're also going to put out any kind of reports of him not worrying about these in these in season in season awards or any of that stuff, making the all-star team and certainly the MVP award and only worried about the playoffs, then what is he out there for tonight? As you said, seeing how things looked at the very beginning of the game, that was the indication right there that, all right, sit down. You have a more than enough enough healthy center who is more than capable of playing in this game in Paul Reed. Sure, you didn't have Marcus Morris, but Mo Bamba was there. And if you have guys who are willing, who are capable of playing in this game and soaking up those minutes for however long you have to do so until Joel Embiid is right and correct, uh, good enough to play in this game, then that's the decision that needed to be made. And to your point, you also do have to point the finger at him because if he is selfish enough to say that he's going to go out there and do that, then he's not looking out for the team at that point. I've argued many times that I didn't think he was selfish in, in these ways where I felt like he was looking out for the team. Of course, there's a selfish bone in his body about certain things when it comes to it, but he's not going to jeopardize the team in getting a win. And tonight, if he, as you said, number one, he's the one that can tell him that his body is right and good enough to go out there and play. He has to be the one to stand out and, again, continue to tell them, I am not going to go out there and hurt our team tonight because I can't give it my all. I'm not going to be right. Maxie is not there. Sure. He's feel like maybe the team roster is not good enough to win without both of them on the floor, but you know what they can't do is win with him playing that way. And then to have the icing on the cake later on a potential injury that may even keep him out a little bit longer to add on top of the one injury already. Well, and that was the frustrating thing about tonight is they were playing without him any better without him anyway. I, I was stunned when he came back in with seven and a half minutes left because they were going on a nice little run. There's just no need to put him at further risk. And I'm not talking about like Kaminga landing on his knee. That was pretty random and not something you can necessarily anticipate. I'm just yeah, talking like the general. He's out there and you know, if it's a loose ball like that, what does he typically do? He dies. No, but like, I think he would like, even if he didn't have an injured knee coming into this, he would have an injured knee now because of that landing. Like that was just yes. random shit that happens. He shouldn't have been out there because he shouldn't have been putting any kind of pressure just on normal basketball movements on that knee. Cause it's clearly not ready to be in game situations. And look, certainly we can get on the Sixers and the staff for not, um, you know, pulling him aside and, 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 preventing him from from him you know making mistakes for himself but we also need like just a couple days ago when he didn't play in denver i said good job joel like it does seem like you actually might have the bigger picture on mind here when he plays in this one and look he can say whatever he wants about not wanting mvps not wanting end of season awards of course he fucking does he always has he always will it's going to be i'm not going to say it's a priority for him but it's always going to be a consideration for him and i really really hoped that he was above this that he was going to take the best you know, what is best for long-term. And he just clearly wasn't ready to play basketball yet. And I don't know why. I mean, I look, it's not just the awards. They are losing ground to the Knicks. There's real like playoff seating, playoff battles going on right now. And you have half of your team out. Like they have like seven healthy players. So I get it. Like there's a competitive aspect to this as well, not just the wars. And I do think it's easy to make it just about the awards because that number is quickly coming up. But I do think there is a competitive aspect to it as well. But you need someone to talk to him. And very crucially, you need Joel Embiid to see the bigger picture here because he is not ready to play basketball. And I'm really worried 
what we're talking about now. I'm I'm really wow. worried about that hyperextension. And real fast, Derek, I was to that just, point, Kendra Andrews. Yeah. Oh yeah, Kendra Andrews covers the Warriors for ESPN. She tweets out: Nick Nurse says that the injury that forced him B to leave the game in the fourth was unrelated to the injury that has held him out recently. A B is going to get an MRI. Well, sure. I mean, we all we all saw him land on the on the knee and hyperextend it. Like we all saw that. It's just you don't want more trauma in a place that was clearly not good to go already. Yeah, I just, it, it is completely unacceptable what we watched tonight. And I, I like, I, it's unacceptable, especially because this is the one organization in the league that at this point should know better. They have gone through this exact thing with this exact player yep. over and over and over and over again. And at some point, you're the asshole for fucking up over and over and over again. It's not just bad luck. It's not just, oh, the sky is falling. Woe is me. So I can't believe that this happened. You guys are messing up. You are putting the player in this position. You are not putting your foot down. You are being irresponsible with this guy. You have one of the all-time great players in the history of your organization, and this keeps happening because of stupid nonsense like this. I just, I cannot believe this. Cannot believe it. I just sat there. I tried to write about the game tonight, and all I can think about the entire time is how stupid it is seeing him on the floor as he's like, look, there are people trying to attribute what he was doing to, oh, he's rusty or he's got bad conditioning. It's like, dude, the guy can't plant on the knee. Yeah. He can't explode off the knee. He's getting attacked at the rim by guys who are a quarter as athletic, eight inches shorter than him, and they're scoring over top of him because he can't jump. Like that, that's not conditioning. That's not rust. That's the first quarter of a basketball game. The Warriors wanted him like four or five times and scored directly over him. That, like, if you look at that and say that's rust or that's conditioning, you're a dumbass. And speaking of dumbasses, all those people who are talking about, oh, he's ducking. He didn't want to play in Denver. You look like even bigger assholes now than you did on Saturday night, than you did on Sunday morning. This guy has been carrying an injury. He's been dealing with this knee thing for over a month now. And all these people who want to get up on their high horse and act like this guy is scared of somebody that he's cooked multiple times in a row, that he has a great record against, just a bunch of stupid, disingenuous people and all of that. Like, I'm not saying that's an excuse for Joel to not put himself first. All that shit feeds into a decision like this where a guy who clearly should be on the sideline is listening to these fucking assholes who have no care for what this guy's going through and just want to paint some stupid narrative about a guy. Uh, it just drives me insane. No, and it's one thing for Denver fans. Fine, whatever. Like, you're you're tribalistic by nature. So many people in the media have been talking about this and talking about this. Real media this. members, man. Real media members. And I go back to, like, what is the media's biggest bias? And I think sometimes think when you're talking about politics, it's left or right, or sometimes with the, the team you cover. No, our bias, and by our, I mean media, not this podcast specifically, the media's bias is what gets attention and what's easy. And that will always be the case. That's sadly the way it is, especially now in social media age. And that has really shown in the last 48 hours. It is easy to pile on this narrative. It's easy to talk about this. And anyone who brings up four straight missed games in Denver without also bringing up COVID and the knee injury that caused him to miss two of those games 
is a complete disingenuous hack because you are just then trying to take the evidence to support your already your conclusion to make an argument that you want to make not trying to actually arrive at the real answer and it's been infuriating it is even more infuriating now that we watch that game and saw how badly he's hurt you have a little bit of a job to put in just the tiniest bit of effort just the least amount possible before you start questioning a guy's actual injury it's insane it's insane all right guys uh, we're gonna take a quick break here and oh, tell we have, everybody we have, we have we have to pay the bills we have to pay the bills. So I'll, I'll pay the bills while you guys, you know, take it easy. I got your backs. You guys are my teammates. You're my brothers. I want to make sure you guys are all right. So let me talk to the people about game time. There's a big football game coming up in a couple of weeks. And maybe, just maybe, you might have a chance to get in there. I don't know how. Maybe you get a good deal and the place for you to go is game time. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. And game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. If your local basketball team is ticking you off and you need to go unwind and go see a theater show, a comedy show, this is the place because the killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun that you'll have. Here are some of the things that happen there for you on the app, images of the seat views because you don't want to be obstructed. You want to be able to see what's going on in the field of play and sports, on the stage, wherever you may be. Lowest price guarantee, events cancellation, protection job loss protection as well those flash deals and last minute tickets come in handy easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area game time is the place for last minute ticket deals get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football big game basketball baseball concerts comedy theater and more forget planning months in advance game time is deals on the tickets right up to the day of the event. The game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find those tickets in the same section and row for less, guess what? Game time will credit you 110% of the difference. So snag those tickets with the stress, without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, use code PHLY for $20 off of your first purchase. Terms apply, again, create an account, Redeem code PHLY for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guarantee. We also want to tell you about Rocket Money. Uh, we all want to make sure that you get the most out of your money and that you're not wasting money on unnecessary subscriptions. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. You can see all of your subscriptions in one place, and if you see something you don't want, you can cancel it with a tap, and you never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get your refund for the last couple months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com PHLY. That's rocketmoney.com PHLY. Rocket Money com slash phly i'm just so mad over here guys at just so many different people people in philadelphia people outside philadelphia that, it just i'm glad you brought up the media because that really does like drive like really piss me off in part because like that's our profession and we should take our profession seriously and it's just course. like coming to a conclusion and questioning a guy's integrity while putting in no effort when there are very obvious answers out there like like I said, anyone who brings up four straight missed games is just doing that, you know, like trying to shoehorn that in their narrative, and it's freaking wild that you can just get away with it. It's wild. 
Also, also, there were people trying to claim that he didn't play in Utah for a certain amount of years. He literally hit a game winner in Utah last year, like a year ago. There are people just like actively making shit up about what this guy is doing or has done. Or like, I've said this before, the craziest thing about this specific narrative this year, and you guys remember this well, early in Joel's career, Everyone was giving Joel shit because he didn't care about the games against, you know, the lower, lower level teams, the the mid-January games against Atlanta and Charlotte and whoever else. But he really got up for national TV against, you know, the the biggest stars of the game, the other big men that he compares himself against. Well, he's gotten up for all the games that he's been healthy enough to play in this year. And the the narrative has mostly sprung out of. Honestly, that that week of Christmas, like, oh, he didn't play yeah. on the road in Miami. Orlando he, he and missed, Houston. Oh, dear. He missed a whole week. He missed the whole week. He didn't just sit the Miami game and then like, hey, I'm back. He's been hurt. The guy has been injured, and it has been an ongoing concern. And these people are acting like Joel sits in a fucking room with a schedule and is like, oh, this is a tough one. X that off. X that off. I'm not playing this one. I'm not going there. I'm scared of this guy. Like, are you absolutely out of your mind? Yeah. I mean, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. It's sometimes tough to know when your rants are going to end. No, it's just like, look, dude, you have, like you said, Derek, you have a responsibility and there are people in our profession who take it very seriously, right? Like down to the awards voting, how they cover guys, how they talk about guys. There have been people who have tried to compare how Joel's being talked about now to how Jokic was being talked about in the MVP race last year. The only example where things went off the rails is the Kendrick Perkins example toward the end of the year where it got into like race and white privilege and all this other nonsense. When most of the discussion about Jokic was winning three straight MVPs is borderline unprecedented. And to give him three straight, when you have been giving it to guys like Michael and LeBron and, and Kobe and like all these luminaries in league history, that was the main argument last year. It was not a disingenuous like, oh, Jokic is ducking these guys or it's, it's like playoff related stuff. And we would all sit here and agree that Joel, Joel playoff related criticism is warranted until he steps up in a big moment that matters until he leads his team conference finals, finals, NBA title. He's going to get deserved criticism compared to the guys at the very, very top of the sport. We all understand all that. But the people who are trying to degrade this guy there's a fucking reporter in Denver the other night. I don't even know who this guy is because he's worthless and a loser and whatever. Guy asked if him not playing in Denver is a reflection of Joel's character. I hope that fucking guy watched this game tonight. I don't I hope I don't he has think... to sit there and think about it. Oh, he watched the game. He probably just came back and decided to say something about after watching the game. See, I asked the right question for what he did. Derek, I cut you off and then I'll go. I'll I was just going to say, if he was capable of self-reflection, like they wouldn't be asking that question. Like I said, media's bias is easy. What's easy? Um, and I think a lot of this, this narrative goes back to Embiid not playing in Denver last year. And that's honestly the only one that might have a little bit of legitimacy to it. I do think there was an element of he just whooped Denver earlier, had the MVP in the, in the bag that might have factored into it. The other three, this one, and like I said, the COVID one and the other knee one where he missed 10 straight games, there's just no leg- legitimacy and to try to try meh, to try to tie all four of those together as if they're com- you know more compelling evidence to create one narrative is disingenuous at best and malpractice at worst. 
the thing about me with the national media is, and this is where I go with the whole uh, family business, uh, family business thing is because you, you know more and, and and you follow it more and you, you, you dive into it more, you do your homework. Sure. We have our thoughts but, on the other things because we watch it. But it's one thing it. for us to but know it, more. Yeah. Then they have to put in the work if they're going to have that strong of a take. And that's my point. We watch the other stuff, and but you may ask the questions to find out what's going on in the other places of why is this happening? Why does it continue to happen? Because the one thing about the Jokic piece where they bring up the not playing in Denver and you mentioned, you guys mentioned the Utah piece as well, is that he plays against everybody else. He always plays against everybody else. This is the only player selfishly that everybody wants to see, he plays against everybody else. And it's not that he doesn't play against Denver and Nikola Jokic. It just so happens that it's happened not playing in Denver, not Philadelphia, <laughs> in Denver. And that's the thing about it that's really lazy to me because they they have something that they can hold on to. He's come up short in the playoffs for consecutive years, and it's been really, really bad. And he's performed really poorly in the whole MVP conversation and all of that for how great he is. It's something that they can hang on to. He is now the villain in a certain way uh, because of how these things don't happen for him. It happens for everybody else. Everyone has kind of crossed over that line some way, shape, or form to get to where they believe that he should have been already, and he's the darling of the NBA, and he's covered for this way, and they protect him this way, and they protect him that way, and he's soft and all this stuff. But again, he plays against everybody else, including the player just hasn't happened there. And that's where I, I, I get pissed off about some of the things that they do when they have these conversations. And of course we can't reach them all the time in the way that we, we could. And then we have to defend them because when we come on here and we want to start coming after him, it's because of course we come after him seeing how he handles things here locally and how the team may handle things. But then it feels like family business stuff. Now we got to protect him a little bit when we really don't want to, because they are wrong and they are pushing this narrative the wrong way when it shouldn't be because they are not doing the hard work to make sure they get the right information. Instead, they go the lazy route. And that's where I, I get all ticked off. And so many people say, Hey, did you see this? Did you watch this? No, I didn't. No, I didn't. I may not know everything, but I'm going to do my work. And what I'm not going to do is watch them and continue to listen to the BS that they continue to spout out there without having the actual knowledge. And somebody will send me something and I'll listen to the clip. I'll read the story. I'll do all of that stuff. But then in the end, I'm like, see, this is why I don't trust these people. They may not know me, know my name and trust me and say, who the hell does he think he is? Because I may not have broken the story. But one thing I'm going to do is stand on my integrity and not go out there and just put anything out there just to do it. And that's the lazy part that drives me nuts about the national stuff. And that whole thing with him, that the question you guys brought up, a nurse handled it the right way, but man, it, it was, that was weak for that reporter to ask that question in that way. It's good, Devon. I feel like Kyle and I have been getting our rants and I'm glad, I'm glad you had an opportunity to get yours in as well. I feel like you were maybe a little left out to your point though. You brought up like Embiid and the success he's had against other people and all this stuff. And I was working on an article for tomorrow, which I'm now going to have to rewrite because he injured his knee again, yada, yada, yada. That is the nature of the business. But like, the conversation, oh, he's scared of Denver. 
He just dropped 41, 7, and 10 on them, dropped 45 and 18 last year. I don't think he's scared of Jokic and Gordon. Then they're like, well, he's scared of playing on the road. And I'm like, well, I looked up his career numbers and he's averaging the exact same points and the exact same true shooting on the road. And then they're like, well, he's scared of tough competition. I'm like, all right, well, I looked at games against top 10 defenses. And if you only counted top 10 defenses, he'd be a league leading scorer still with a 64% true shooting percentage. Maybe the most logical explanation is he's fucking hurt. I don't know. I, what do I know, though, you know? Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I I hate to, I'm reluctant to ever give the city of Boston any credit, but the amount of games that he's played in Boston at TD oh, Garden, if you think he's afraid to go to goddamn Denver and, and see those people, are you out of your mind? Like the Boston people are crazy. They're the Northeast corridor for sports. There are there is nobody more insane about sports than from 100%. Philadelphia up to Boston. And it's all basically the same breed of sports fan, like absolute devotion, psycho in the best way. If you think Joel Embiid has played playoff series against the Boston Celtics and he is afraid to go to Denver. January game in Denver. Yes. You are the dumbest motherfucker I've ever spoken to in my life. And by the way, I want to highlight somebody, Doe Gaming in the comments said, if the Sixers suppress his injuries and keep it behind closed doors, it's nobody's fault if they assume and speculate. Yes, it is. If you are a fan and you are somebody who has no connection as a reporter, a media member, a person involved with the league, sure, you talk trash and say whatever you want to say. The people who are in locker rooms, the people who talk to these guys, who understand the day-to-day, what goes on in this league, you do not get to sit there and just make shit up and assume and speculate. The job is to be informed and to inform right. the people that you cover the team for. The reason that we are sitting here is because many of this people, many of the people in this very chat, in our Twitter mentions, on allphly.com, those people trust us to tell them exactly what is going on. No exaggerations, no nonsense, no BS. So I like. To that point, of course, I don't give a shit about like, I care about fans, but I don't care what fans of rival teams are saying about Joel Embiid. Like you're going to be irrational the same way Sixers fans would talk a lot of trash about Jokic and Jason Tatum, whoever the hell is in town on a given night. But if you have a platform, you have responsibility. And that's my beef with how he has been talked about and covered this year. Oh, man. You know what? Let me get to a super chat. People we are jumping around. Yep. We got let a me, bunch of them, man. Let me let me start off with Fury since this is the last one I, I saw. Uh, Furious, appreciate it. He's been hurt since high school and college before Philadelphia. And even if he plays 30 games, uh, can we count on him making it through an entire postseason? Honest question and definitely not saying trade him. Thank you, Furious. Well, I'll just start off with Derek has simply asked one thing. Can we just see the guy? healthy for one playoff run. But here's also what I want to say. Like when he came into the league, yeah, he was injured, but it was a navicular bone. We haven't heard a peep out of that ever since he came back from it the second time. That has not been the problem. Knock and also, yeah, I mean, knock it on wood. I feel, I feel like that's the statute of limitations on that one is, is gone, but you never freaking know. <laughs> and also like the last four years, he's gone into the playoffs healthy. Those injuries that have come up have happened in the playoffs. So it's real tough to like... It's not like they're overused. They're random elbow or shoulder into the eye socket type finger caught in a jersey random shit. 
So it's real hard to prepare for that too. And I also just like, this isn't necessarily on topic, but like the whole soft thing I think is freaking ridiculous. Like because a player gets injured, he's soft. Like to me, I don't know. It seems like the person who's playing through pain constantly, probably the less soft person on the court. It's just that he's constantly injured and that's bad luck and that's shitty and you can't rely on him. And there's all kinds of things and it's disappointing and you can all kinds of things. We can talk about that soft is a really weird label to me, especially when it's like, he's played multiple series with a concussion and a face mask on because his orbital bone got blown up like multiple playoff series. You're going to call the guy soft. I don't get it. Unreliable. Sure. Soft. I just don't, it's a weird, and that, that's going to Philly fans. Like we've spent a lot of the show complaining about, you know, Denver fans and national media and all that stuff. Philly fans. It's a, it's a weird label for me is all I'll say. Yeah. And I would remind people that his very first playoff series when they're about to lose and he was told he could suffer real and permanent damage if he didn't wear the mask, he ripped the mask off for the final possession to try to get a better look at the basket. Like this a is a literal better look. Yeah. Literally has yeah. put his body <laughs> on the line for the franchise. And like to circle back on what Furious is asking, I think it's absolutely fair to question if he's going to be healthy for the playoffs, right? Like until we see it, they're, all, the only time he was healthy was the bubble. And the bubble is a, is never going to happen. Well, that's a real knock on wood right there. The bubble is hopefully never going to happen again where we have months Please of no. lead up <laughs> leading into the playoffs, right? Like that's not going to happen. And so if you're someone who doesn't believe Joel can stay healthy for essentially a two consecutive month stretch, I can't sit here and tell you you're wrong. The hope, my hope would be Joel finally gets at least one of those, if not multiple of them. But the truth is, we just simply don't know. And by the way, I wanted to mention Toronto when you were talking about those tough playoff matches. They can't stand him. You guys were there. You talked about the shot. They can't stand him up there, right? And Which, he, by the way, he, he had a he hand played. injury when he hit that shot. Yeah, People forgot yeah. about that because he also suffered a, a different injury at the Later. end of the series suffered a hand injury during that game and still hit the game winner and humiliated the entire country of Canada in the process. <laughs> but he's worried about Denver though. You know, it's all good. Yeah. Bree, let's throw another uh, super chat out there, Bree, so we can get some more of these in there. A lot of people have uh, donated. Uh, just pick one since there's so many and we'll, we'll run through them. And uh, let's go with uh, here, Ash, our buddy. What up, Ash? What's going on, Ash? At this point, he needs to sit as many weeks as needed to get fully healthy, right? Playing through it isn't an option, as we all know what that looks like. Appreciate it, Ash. Um, he needs to sit it out right now until it's right. And even if that's playing past the All-Star game and he's not healthy through that, hey, man, you just need to be there to get that introduction, sit down and watch your team go out there and play. That's just the bottom line, because now he's going to have to get this MRI that Kendra Andrews is speaking about after Kaminga falls on him tonight. I would say, yes, he needs to sit out until he's healthy enough to play. When is that? We don't know. I mean, I, the silver lining, if you could call it this, of this whole thing, I don't think he has a choice now. Like, Yeah, I, there can't be a day to day like that's out the window. This is not a hey, he was already hurt and uh 225 pound guy fell on directly on the knee and he hyperextended it. We're going to monitor it and see how it looks in warmups. Like you can't trot that out anymore. You're going to have to give him a real designation 
not swelling, not soreness, not, oh, well, we're going to monitor it. We're going to do this and we'll see how it feels today. Like that's not, it's not acceptable. So if anything good comes from it, I guess that would be it that we will probably get some sort of firm timeline and guidance. I would hope that it's not super long, obviously hoping for the best for Joe, because that's the the subtext to all this, right? Like we've said it a hundred times, but all of us enjoy watching him play basketball, appreciate what he has contributed, not just this year, but certainly over the last half decade plus and, and what he's meant to this team. So just want him to be healthy and be out there so that one, we can evaluate the team. Two, I just enjoy watching the guy play. So little silver lining, but it's not going to do much on a, a night like tonight. I, 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 <laughs> well, because, like, I, you don't know. Like, I, I'm at the point where obviously we have you to don't wait know. until we get the results of the yeah. MRI. But, like, do you now just sit out the trade deadline because you don't want to waste assets on a marginal upgrade when you might not have a healthy Embiid anyway? It is. It is everything sucks and honestly I, I feel like we probably spent maybe that should have been the podcast title. everything sucks <laughs> certainly the thumbnail that's tomorrow everything <laughs> sucks <laughs> i feel like maybe we spent a good chunk of this show going off against like media and denver fans just because it's better than talking about the reality of what that's we're facing right. that's what tomorrow's show is for that's allowed <sighs> Still got some hey, by the way, I mentioned that. the trade deadline. We're doing a live show um, at Chicken and Egg, which you'll <laughs> Chicken and Egg in Marlton, New Jersey. We will be there from two to four uh, on trade deadline, which is February 8th. So go check that out. Uh, just Google Chicken and Egg Marlton, New Jersey. Uh, I had the uh, web page sent to me earlier today and I completely forgot it and I'm too lazy to look it up now. You didn't said, forget it. You know exactly what it is. No, I, I remember like one part of it. I just remember. Yeah. I don't remember the first part. Um, yeah, Chicken and Egg, Marlton, New Jersey. We'll have me, Devon, Kyle, Rich. We'll all be there to chat some hoops. Uh, and like I said, who knows whether or not they will be as active as they would have been because we are all now waiting for an MRI, which feels like a yearly rite of passage. Well, we'll have the some good website, food, too. You can get some food. The website is letscheg.com. So L-E-T-S-C-H-E-G-G.com. We'll give you all the information you need for Chicken and the Egg to uh, come and meet up with us next Thursday. Um, yeah, we do have some more super chats I can I can throw in here. Uh, JJ Zahn says, what a joke the Sixers are for this. He's hurt. Maury, nurse, medical staff are all a joke. I listen every show, never comment, but this is infuriating. Look at that. We got our first version of a longtime listener, first time comment or first time caller, real, real radio stuff. So, and a donation to with JJ. it. Had to get shout the out point out there. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I mean, echoing a lot of what has been said or well, was said early in the pod, certainly about the responsibility the team had to him. But if you can't tell JJ's on, I am a little bit mad tonight about how everything has unfolded. So I hope for not just you, but everybody that we have properly channeled the fan base's emotions here. I think we have. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I think the fan base is probably going to be a little like us. We'll, we'll start off with anger and then move to sadness real quickly. Uh, a lot of that will depend on the MRI results, but a lot of it will also depend on 
when he can come back and look like his normal self and if he can look like his normal self because what we saw today even before the hyperextension was not Joel Embiid. I mean, he no. ended up with two free throws, which it ties the lowest he's had in, I think, three years. It's not a coincidence. He was basically, when he had to turn and adjust his body to try to defend, he was basically turning, just spinning on the one leg so he wouldn't have to land on that yeah. left leg. That's exactly what he was doing. Exactly what he was doing. Man. That, that, I know the exact, there was one play in the second half to Vaughn where it was really obvious where he did the, Almost a full three. He did like a two seventy, if not a three sixty, <laughs> to try to. And I, I'm pretty sure he still got a contestant at the rim, which shows you, you know, the physical tools in terms of his length are still valuable even when he can barely move. But yeah, I mean, it was borderline comical how little he could move out there compared to normal. Yeah, yeah, it's like a ballet move. Uh, we have more super chats. All right, uh... let's go to Jake. Uh, they think he's Gypsy Rose Blanchard. <laughs> Insane. <laughs> All right, Jake. We'll run with that one. Let's get some more in there. Uh, wait, I can't see that one with tone. I don't tone cutty. I think hit the tone. If you want to throw a the whatever you wanted to say. No, he here. had a he had a second super chat then come in. Okay. Did he? Oh no, I'm I'm thinking of someone else. No, that was JJ's. That was JJ. No, tone yeah, cutty. Yeah. If you want to. Uh... Hit us with a comment here. We will get to you, I promise. You don't need to drop more money. Just a comment and we'll, we'll monitor yeah, for it. Just a comment yeah. and I'll, I'll look in the feed. I'll be honest. I don't have any idea who Gypsy Rose Blanchard is. So that's, uh, that's uh, a I just looked up. She was Gann. convicted of second degree murder. So I don't know entirely where that comparison is going. But uh, <laughs> the, <laughs> Wikipedia does not seem like it's a, a kind one. Well, we're not blaming uh, him for any of that. <laughs> No, we're not. I'm going to, here's my, uh, this is complete guess. It's got to be like somebody who pretended someone else murdered who they murdered. And well, I'm guessing maybe like wrongly convicted, but I haven't gotten far enough down on the Wikipedia page yet. Uh, Yeah. Mm. I don't know. Okay. Well, man, this was, this was something tonight. Uh, So how about that game? By the way. How about that game? Corkmaz looked pretty good, didn't he? Earned himself some minutes. <laughs> Best Springers looked all year. Yeah. Who freaking game. cares? Yeah, I mean, I to, to be honest, he was like there were moments where he was out of control on offense, which has sort of been the story of the season for him. Like, bro, you're you're a catch and shoot and and slash guy, and that's it. By the way, uh, but he, he looked has, much better in the second half. Has he become a black hole when he has the basketball? Yeah. Because he really does not look to pass to the other guy. No, and he, he made that one spin move and one, and it's like, I'm glad you made it, buddy, but don't ever do that again, please. Yeah, yeah, because I even watched K.J. Martin a couple of times. They've been on the floor together at the same time, and not saying that you need to pass K.J. Martin the ball and dribble because he, he can't, but w- when I'm looking at him and Jaden Springer's just doing all these things and not passing the basketball, you can just kind of see him throw his hands up like, yo, what are we doing here? Uh, past the basketball, but yeah, other than that, he looked pretty good defensively, offensively he had some good things happen for him, but yeah, you know, still done some, some spring of things. Cork Miles looked pretty good uh, out there, uh, in his time out there on the floor, looked pretty solid actually for the stuff that he did, uh, yeah. hit a couple of big shots later on. And like I said, probably earn himself some more minutes in the rotation for right now, especially being down so many backcourt players. Uh uh, Davon jumps in with a late super chat and says 65 game minimum is stupid. If 58 is for stat titles, 
that was something I wanted to ask you guys about tomorrow, but, but just to kind of get into it, even Tyrese Halliburton, who's already missed 13 games and surely looks like a first or at least minimum second team, all NBA guard. He's already missed 13 and can't afford to miss many uh, either here going forward. And he called out the NBA saying it's this new rule is ridiculous. So here's, here's, here's what I'll say. I, first of all, I think it was an unnecessary rule to make because I don't think anybody has ever won an MVP while playing fewer than 65 games. So it's like, we've already, we in the media have already sort of taken that into account when we've been making these votes. Why do we need this to be officially on the books? I don't really care too much for MVP, even if it ends up costing Embiid, because I don't think if he plays 60 games, I don't think people were going to vote for him anyway, even if he was clearly the best player in the league. What I do care about is for the all NBA, when you've got multiple um, teams and you're talking about the best 15 players in the world, Somebody can, like Halliburton, can play 62 games, still be one of the best 15 best players in the league, and that could then dictate what he's eligible to earn, which, by the way, I think media votes being able to dictate what players can earn is ridiculous, but if we're going to do that, then adding on top a 65-game minimum on a three-team award is just, that is, to me, where I think the major miscue was, because, quite frankly, if Joel Embiid only plays 60 games, I don't think he's winning MVP anyway. Yeah, and... I, uh, Derek, I don't actually remember if you were there when I had this conversation with, uh, I won't Dennis name Drupal? the, oh, I was trying to leave him anonymous. We had a, I don't think he cares. With, I don't think he cares either. Talk with Tim Bontemps at uh, a game one night. Cause he's a, an awards voter and also conducts the, the straw polls at ESPN. And that was kind of his rationale for how he would probably approach awards that all NBA is just best 15 guys. Whereas when you're saying, most valuable that the games played can be a separator. Although I should should note before anyone jumps down Tim's neck, that's a big Joel guy. Tim is also pretty big Joel advocate and has voted for him. Yeah, and I, he was so. mostly just commenting on what he thinks the voting public will do, not necessarily his straight opinions. Yeah. Got another super chat. Late arrival from our guy Haidar over in, he's in Iceland, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah. And it says, I feel like a piece of shit for thinking about this from this angle. By the way, I just quick, quick aside. I'm going to need to drop like a not safe for work label on this podcast with all the F-bombs I dropped <laughs> personally. Uh, so he says, the result of this MRI decides the plan for the deadline though, right? Uh I don't know if I'd personally go that far, but certainly like if Joel's out for an extended period of time, that is like, that becomes a real conversation. And maybe we'll expand on this on the show tomorrow uh, as more of a lead topic sort of deal. But yeah, I mean, the this MRI now becomes the single most important event of <laughs> the month or maybe perhaps the, the trade season, deadline. depending on how bad it is. <laughs> sure, yeah, right. Well, I was going to say the MRI will actually happen in February. So that's quite the bold statement. Uh, and we got, we got another show to do in 12 hours. Oh my that's, God. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> you going to get enough sleep there, man? <laughs> no. Uh, we mean, don't go I, on until 2.30 tomorrow. We'll be out. Well, right. I mean, I've mentioned this before, but like I cannot sleep past like seven or eight, no matter what time I go to sleep. So no, I'm probably going to be quite punchy tomorrow. All right, I'm going to make sure then that on our way out tonight that I read every single name in the chat. To make sure Derek Just to keep stays up as long as possible. No. Perfect. Uh, yeah. We'll help Derek as sleep a little longer, maybe. 
we got nothing else though, right? That's our last <laughs> super chat. Shout out to Hydar. Um, just want to say we had pretty big numbers, honestly, for a show that's being held at 1.30 Eastern. People on are a, on fire. On a Tuesday tonight. night. I understand everyone's worked up. So feel very blessed to have all of you with us. So got a shout I, out to I, a lot I of people. I appreciate all. I truly appreciate being able to commiserate with all of you fine folks at this early hour of the morning. I would not want to be doing this alone. Absolutely. So got to shout out my people, our people, the bull RJ, who, by the way, is taking quite a bit of grief in the chat. And I know that he's out on an island with wanting to move on from Joel, from what I RJ's gather. RJ's the man. But everyone, keep it civil. Right? Like, let's just, we can all, we can disagree respectfully. At least that would be my hope. So, but shout out to the bull RJ, Money Mar, Jay the Jungle, Bootzilla, Brian Knight, Hans, who's been trolling a little bit, but we'll let you slide. Average Koala, X-Man, Iroh, Cannoli again, Coach Lowell Ricketts. Lowell Ricketts, that's a new one. We really need somebody to get like an above average Koala in here too. (laughs) (laughs) WJ, Mateus, William, Haidar all the way from Iceland. Haidar, what's happening? You a fraud is here once again. Wow, who's that guy? Derek Bodner, never heard of him. Joe Sox, Doe Gaming, Mr. Majestic the 13th. That is very specific, my friend. <laughs> Bob, Bob, I wish I could pronounce your last name, but I'm scrolling really quickly. So shout out to Bob B. I will just say that. Fusion, that's the second Fusion that's in the chat. SB Cole, we had super chats from JJ Zono, our guy Ash, Jake M, Tone Cuddy, Davon, a.k.a. Schoolboy Beats. I'm still going up the list. Luke Rappaport. Guys, I, I love you. I love you for being here. I love you for being here every day. If you could on the way out, hit that subscribe button, hit the bell icon so you get Ding. notifications each and every time you go live. If you hit the thumbs up button, I unfortunately cannot promise you that it'll make Joel Embiid's MRI go any better or worse for it that. It can't matter. hurt. It can't hurt. But it can't hurt. And it'll I'll I'll Bring it to Joel in the locker room and say, Joel, this is like the fans get well card to you. Look how many <laughs> thumbs up they gave you to show you their love. So we will be back with you in about 13 hours yeah. from right yeah. this second. And what uh, up, Al? We see you, Al. What up, Al? The two minute warning. The legend Al's is in up. there. And I need to get, I need to get like up. a, I need to put a ding on my board because like I have all kinds of things I can hit. But I don't have a ding, so I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna get a ding. I will add it. That, that'll be all my to do list. I will add a ding. So Thursday show we will have a ding. When we're at home, yes. And make sure while you guys are still would you ask Pop that speak, question? I would. Yeah, I would. Um, <laughs> we really need to go awake, to bed. I'm gonna say oh slow so we can all pick it up. All right, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Make I'm sure done. you read allphly.com. Read the recap from Kyle while he was yelling and screaming here. He probably did a little bit in his writing, too, and you can tell. Make sure you go read allphly.com.